Welcome to a special episode of That's a Wrap. Welcome to a special episode of That's a Wrap. I am Eric Marshall. And I'm Nick Schlegel. And uh, we are here to talk about the 2015 year in review. Uh, Chris couldn't be with us today. Uh, he's traveling right now. But we're going to uh, talk about uh, our favorite movies of 2015, just things that have happened in general, and um, stuff like that. And maybe look ahead to 2016. It's been a, It's been a pretty interesting year. And so we thought we'd give you a little special episode to yeah, talk well, about happy, that stuff. Happy New Year, Eric. Happy New Year, Nick. How are you? I am well, and um, as always, uh, looking forward to the new year. I had a good holiday season, uh, capped by a nice, uh, pleasant New Year's celebration, and... Um, you know, we're here. We are just uh, right in the at the end of the year, beginning of the year, and it's. Uh, I think it's a great idea to to sort of reflect backwards. Um, I had a, a more heavy media consuming year this year than I did in 2014 um, because I was writing so much in 2014. Uh, my book was due at in December of 2014, uh, and so you know. <laughs> um, I just hadn't watched very much or read very much or, you know, just or gone to very much uh, because I was writing. Um, but this year, after the book was finished and stuff earlier in the year, you know, I kind of kicked back and just caught up on a lot of old stuff I wanted to get to, films that I had bought, you know, Criterion things, you know. And and then – but also had a fairly active year in, in the theater too. So I'm, I'm – you know, and, and I watched a lot of TV, so I'm, I'm anxious to talk about – what our favorites uh, were from from 2015. Yeah, yeah, me too, uh, for sure. I remember uh, earlier in the year, uh, we were talking about, we might have been doing a 2014 wrap-up or something. I don't know what we were doing, but we were talking about how many movies we watch <clears throat> in terms of new, new movies, new releases, stuff like that. And we were just guessing, and I don't remember what I said exactly, but uh, I think we had decided that I tend to see more movies than, yes. than you or Chris. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I kept a log on Letterboxd, uh, you know yep. that site. Um, and it turns out I've watched 52 movies over the course of the year, which is actually less than I thought it was going to be. But I had a period there where I wasn't watching anything at all, uh, especially at the end of the last semester. But average of one a week. Um, now, these are movies that are new to me. If that makes sense. Oh, not not new, not 2015, but That's just correct. new movies. To That's you. correct. Okay. Yeah, so movies that were new to me. Um, okay. Now, as far as um, movies from 2015, I haven't seen that many. I'm looking right now, uh, and looking at five, ten, eleven, twelve, about a dozen. That's about it. Uh, not very many, really. Um, no, less than normal for you, yeah. Way way less than normal for me, yeah. Way less than normal. Um, and usually the time I'm watching a lot of movies is actually around Christmas, New Year's, around that time. The Oscars race, yes. The Oscars race, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, not not that much, you know. Um, yeah, less than usual and less than I would have than I would have thought. Um, that that I saw, but I but I knew like I haven't I went a stretch where I didn't go to the theater for probably four or five months. Oh yeah, that's heavy. For yeah, you, that's that's a drought. For um, me, it is. Yeah, yeah. If I I was a higher than average year for me in terms of um, in the theater, and uh, and probably a higher than average year for me in terms of what's new to me. Uh, I just had more time, uh, you know. Um, once once you've like eliminated one of the major things you've been working on for a long time, you suddenly, you know, that time needs to be filled with something. You can do nothing or you can go back to what it is you normally do. So I, I did that. Well, when I go to Columbus, for example, to, to you know, Cinevent and to visit my friends over Memorial Day weekend, we can watch 30, 35 films just in five days, you know, yeah. or if not more. Wow. So – yeah, I mean, you've probably seen my Facebook posts of like what I watched in a given two or three day period. 
And that's because we screen movies all day long. You know, we drink, we eat, we, we, we hang out, we talk, we laugh, and then we, you know, but in between it all, we're constantly screening films um, pretty much all day and all night. <laughs> so, that's amazing. That yeah. is amazing. You know what's sad? I'm looking at the list right now. <laughs> and, um, the uh, If I go back, one, two, three, four, five, the sixth last movie I watched, six movies ago, yeah. Was Bridge of Spies with you? Was was that two weeks ago? Yeah, about two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, so since then, I've watched five movies. But wow. <laughs> so, that's good. Yeah. Weird, huh? Uh, so, um, I would love to say that I've made up for the lack of quantity with quality, but that's not necessarily true either. I see Jurassic World in there. Uh, I see the Avengers in there. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah. As far yeah, as far as media, so you've watched more. I watched less than usual. Um, what what's what stands out for you from what you have seen? And this, you know, we can include TV as well. That's the one yeah. thing I should probably clarify. That actually, I've watched a lot of TV. Sure. I watched all of Daredevil and all of Jessica Jones, and uh, I rewatched Twin Peaks. Maybe it was last year. I'm not sure. Like, I haven't been logging the TV, but I've been watching a lot of TV shows actually. Well, well definitely. In fact, it's probably best to just say like. Uh just categorize it in terms of let's start with, you know, cinema or television and then, you know, and then include whatever else, any notable books you read that came yeah. out this year or, yeah, sounds uh, good. you know, anything in general. Yeah. So, um, what stands out for me in terms of TV? Okay. Well, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to, uh, something that debuted, uh, uh, that was watched by everybody in 2015. Yeah, Daredevil right, was was definitely, and I'm probably for you too. I think one of uh, the shows I enjoyed the absolute most this this past year. What about you, Daredevil? Would you include that on your list? Oh yeah, yeah, Daredevil. Um, I really enjoyed Jessica Jones. Um, although Daredevil's probably the stronger series, I really, uh, I really like Jessica Jones a lot. Uh, so I put those both up there, probably in that order. I haven't seen Jessica Jones yet. I started to watch it and then got sidetracked with who God knows what grading or something like that. But definitely, I mean, I do like Kristen Ritter and I think everybody liked her very much. Uh, when we all, those who watch Breaking Bad, she had a great part on there and, um, I just you know, and then she had this series of her own for a little while. Don't trust the bee in apartment two B or something like that, which was cute. Um, but I just you know, she's got a great look and she's talented. She's funny. She can do drama. She can do you know. She's just she's sort of the the real deal. And um, so I'm I'm looking forward to watching that. It's like it's in my back pocket right now, and I'm 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 kind of saving it. But uh, for all the reasons that we discussed on our Daredevil and Marvel Cinematic Universe episode. Um, so if you didn't listen to that, you might want to download it because we talk, you know, dramatically about about Daredevil. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was just fabulous. Uh, I can't wait for season two, which should be coming out pretty soon. Um, another one that I really enjoyed was, but I haven't finished it yet, but you did, was Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of forgot about that. Yeah, Mr. Robot was amazing, I thought. <laughs> one of the things that I really liked about it is that um, – and a lot of people have remarked on this already, is that the the hacking in the show looks real uh, to an extent that I've never seen in a, in a movie or TV show before. Uh, he, he's really doing real commands. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a far-fetched narrative. I mean, everything's far-fetched about it, but, like, the hacking itself looks kind of authentic. You know, you're, you're not, like, rolling your eyes all the time. Like, ugh, you know, like... Yeah, like, these, these, these writers have done zero research, you know? Like, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's very annoying. Yeah. Um, so when it rings true, when you know something about the subject matter and it's like, Hey, there's, yeah. you know, there's the, the verisimilitude is suddenly jacked up several notches. Yeah. I feel like one of those assholes who's like, Oh, you know, a Glock 48 only has seven and a half uh, bullets in it. And that, you know, people, it's always with guns that people are like nitpicky, you know, like, and I don't know shit about guns, obviously, from what I just said, I feel like that about, about this, like, Oh, well, no one would type in that kind of a command or there's no kind of, you know, but whatever. Um, right just goes to show how important research is you yeah 
Okay. Yeah, and the uh, the main actor in that uh, is his name Rami Malek. Um, yes, I believe so. Uh, he is amazing. He does this thing with his eyes. <laughs> yeah, the buggy eye thing. Yeah, the buggy eye thing. Which, if you look at pictures of him, I, I had a student point this out. He uh, he says if you look at pictures of him, like just candid pictures, he doesn't have those, those eyes. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, he's like he's doing it. <laughs> doing. It. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, the uh, pilot. I showed the pilot to a class last year, and um, they were almost universally blown away. Even people who weren't into like hacking or whatever, like they were uh, like, "Wow, I have to watch the rest of this." You know, and some of them did go through the whole thing. Um, it's it's a good it's a good season. They're, and they're they're up for a season two as well, which I think will be interesting. It definitely had its ups and downs, but I, I, I greatly enjoyed uh, uh, Mr. Robot. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Well, I don't remember when it was, you know, like uh, maybe episode four or something like that, five. There was just a little lull uh, in the action where he's, you know, going back and forth to their little like, you know, honeycomb hideout, whatever. And and uh, and I kind of got a little distracted, a little bored. And I was just like, for me, that that can be dangerous because I can like I can set it down and then come back to it a while later or never, you know. Yeah. And um, it's not the fault of the show. It's it was it was with me. I was distracted or, or you know, and it it wasn't it wasn't engaging me in this particular ten minute section or something. So I just set it down. But I don't have much to do in terms to, of um, finishing the season, and I I really did enjoy it. Um, um, what about you? What apart from Daredevil and Mr. Robot, anything else? I know of a couple more. Yeah, I started watching uh, Master of None, the um, Aziz Ansari Netflix com- comedy. Yes, and that's pretty good. Uh, it's uh, Aziz writes it with um, I forget his name now, but one of the writers from uh, Parks and Rec, and uh-huh. so but it doesn't really it doesn't feel like Parks and Rec, but it's got you know it's 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 pretty funny, but it also addresses issues of. Um, like stereotyping and casting and stuff like that, and uh, I haven't seen the whole season yet, but it's uh, it's worth watching for sure. Another Netflix series. That's interesting because I, I I seem to recall seeing on social media people calling him out for being racist or something like that, and you know, but I mean, like there isn't a day that goes by that somebody's not called out for something on social media. Yeah, no uh, and I didn't I didn't put any weight into it because uh, I didn't know who the person people were leveling that, and I haven't watched it yet, but. Uh, it seemed like that that didn't seem like uh I don't know the agenda of the show was it Eric? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Yeah, there's one episode in particular which I just watched the other day um where uh Aziz and his other Indian friend are going for a part. They're both actors. Mm-hmm. And there's a uh like a email that they accidentally someone accidentally forwards to them where one of the executives is like, "Well, we can't have two and like maybe we, like they're making some kind of semi racist slurs you know about like oh, we should curry their favor you know and stuff like that uh-huh. and that's kind of the the premise of the episode talking- like puns to me <laughs> like racially uh motivated puns I don't know if they're racist you know it's sort of like yeah. So, but the but the point is though that like why can't you have two Indians in a right? Of course, episode, that's the point. You know, and so he brings it up in the episode of like, well, you you know, you don't say that about white people, or and then they talk, they talk about like representations of gay people and just other things like that. It's an interesting episode, and it's it's actually not the best episode of the show. Um, uh-huh. It's not it's not as funny, that's for sure. But um, although it does have its moments. But, How far um, into the series are you? Um, probably about halfway through. It's uh, it's about a dozen episodes. I'm about halfway through, so I haven't seen them all yet. But. So it's on your radar because you know when I asked you about it, you said your quote was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty so, good. If you stand by that. Um, I don't know how much of a ringing endorsement that is. Well, I don't know. Like with comedies, it's hard. You know, with, with serial com- serialized comedies, there's not a lot that I like. Right. You know. Um, I liked The Office for a couple of seasons, and I liked, you know what I mean? Like, there's some things, like, I don't even like Seinfeld anymore. I'll watch old Seinfelds, and I'm like, eh, you know, it just seems tired to me. Um, so I don't watch a whole lot of comedy, except for Portlandia. Portlandia, I think, <laughs> every single episode is great. But, um, but no, it's pretty good. It's 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 worth watching. It's worth checking out. But it, it's, you know, it's fluff. It's it's. You know, you're you're tired, but you don't want to watch a whole hour show or a movie, and you have a half hour to blow. You throw on a. Well, I think another interesting thing there that we didn't mention is it's a Netflix show. 
It so, is a Netflix show. Uh, at the, you know, this this um, phenomena of um, this type of platform programming is no longer a phenomenon. It's becoming uh, more of an industry. Um, I'm not going to say mainstay or staple, but it's becoming more and more accepted and legitimate way to produce a television series, you know? Yeah. I'm amazed at what Netflix has done in the last two years um, since House of Cards. I thought House of Cards was going to be a one-off or an anomaly. Yeah. But they have I, – um, I think they are transforming the industry to a large extent. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And it's, it's high-quality stuff that they're putting out for the most part. Imagine the hit, hit – to miss ratio is also going to increase as well with more programming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. That's just probably the law of average too. But they've been yeah. they've been batting. You know, I mean, if they were in the you know the ba- you know the um, baseball league, the I would think in maybe three fifty four hundred. <laughs> sounds sound <good>. about right. <laughs> sounds good to me. I haven't I haven't seen everything, so I don't know. But Pretty good season. Know. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen everything either. But like. Uh, of what I've seen and what I've read reviews on, it's pretty strong. You know, I mean, any any team would be happy to have a player batting three fifty four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It might um, even be it might even be higher than that. You know, it's. Um, I mean, it depends on what you watch and what you like. You know, but I mean, how I, I just think of all of the series they have that I haven't watched. They either that I'm not interested in, or they just haven't gotten around to. You know, yeah. like BoJack Horseman. I've never seen or um, Wet Hot American Summer as a Netflix thing. You I haven't know, watched I, that either. Yeah. Or Narcos. Or Narcos, or, which I've heard great things about. Um, there's a there's one with um, Friday Night Lights. Uh, what's his name? Um, down in Fort Lauderdale, not Fort Lauderdale, down in the Keys and um, Windmere, Longmere, something. I don't know. Uh, uh, hmm. I've heard good things about that too. Okay. Plus, I know the Keys pretty well, and they shoot it all down right there and. In the in the keys, so I really okay. kind of want to watch that. There's a lot on there. There's there's just like yeah. suddenly there, and then their original programming in in terms of one offs, you know, their documentaries and things like that, uh, yeah. just standalone things. They're, you know, any young writers, and I'm telling my my students this, you know, like uh, you don't have to sell the you know write the spec screenplay and try for, for you know mid six figures and and hope it gets you know a green light and option it and head off to L.A. I mean there are plenty you know because try and set your sights on on television you know go write for Showtime or HBO or for mm-hmm. Netflix for for Amazon or for Hulu you know like yeah. they need good strong writers. Uh, and, or YouTube um, with YouTube Red coming out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, there's just like just try and become a showrunner if you can. You know, like yeah. I'm looking at a website right now. It says Netflix is rolling out 15 new original shows in 2016. Yeah, it's a lot, <laughs> including it's a lot. Luke, yeah, they all, including Luke they Cage, all get staff of writers and showrunners. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> 15 in 2016. That's that seems like a lot to me. So speaking of the uh, uh, the older shows that are still going, like when you said you know you're talking about um, stuff like that, I, I think like for me the, the the two the two that I you mentioned Portlandia, I would say just a quick nod to stuff that didn't debut in two, 2015 that I still watch a lot of would be um, South Park. The you know South Park just never never ceases <laughs> to be uh, relevant and really satirically brilliant. Um, and, uh, oh shit, Eric, I just forgot the second one I was going to mention. <laughs> uh, oh, well, Louis CK. And oh, the second, Louis. Yeah. The second would be, you know, Louis CK. Uh, so the show Louis is, uh, also just cutting edge of brilliance as well. Yeah. He was, he's interesting because he, he changed everything. I think it was season four. He said that. He wanted to change everything that he was doing because he felt like it was getting stale and he felt like he was going and in, moving into a formula. Yep. So he took a he took some time off and then came back to it and said, okay, well, this is, you know, how, how I want to do it. And he, he changed the humor. He, he, some of it got more serious. Uh, the structure, he has like multi-part, you know, things and stuff like that. Just wanted mm. to address some other things and. Um, you know, he's interesting too because from what I understand, his producer 
just says here here's your, here's some money whatever the amount is and and do what you want and the producer doesn't have anything to say about his content he doesn't have to go through anybody you know except for the network you know for i guess censorship reasons or whatever uh-huh. but um he just he's just like here do what you want you know and and louis like all right he's just stay in budget that's what it was just stay in budget and stay louis in budget like, yeah louis like fine <laughs> i can do that so yeah louis is great he's he's always fresh i think I haven't seen and, a lot, um, though, of the late last, the most recent season. I would, I would say, um, my recommendation to you on on uh, older stuff that's is definitely this past season of South Park has been just like wow. Uh, okay, <laughs> they're just really. I don't on think top I've seen. Game. I don't think I've seen a single episode of South Park this year. So I can. And I do like South Park. It's, it's not on my the Soto story. Sopa and Safe Place or Safe Space episodes are, and for those who've seen those or are listening, know exactly what I'm talking about. Those are just absolutely brilliant. Um, cool. You know, another show that for me, I was very sad to see go in 2015 because I became quite a proponent of it. Was uh, the Newsroom? Uh, it was it, season three wrapped up earlier this earlier in 2015. It was a truncated season of six episodes. Um, and it just felt, uh, hurried and rushed, not the season. The season was great. It was just this, the, the, um, the show suddenly it was like, I think I, I, I haven't done a lot of research on it, but it felt like maybe just these actors who many of them were high profile actors probably had other engagements. You know, Sorkin is, uh, uh, obviously very sought after and, and demand screenwriter in Hollywood, and people like Jeff Daniels are, you know, uh, constantly working. So it just felt like maybe the commitment of doing the show got in the way of the show for these actors. And because, I mean, the show was, it was the quality of it was uh, from season to season consistent. And I have to confess a bias, uh, which is odd because it's one of the things that, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the show is all about is, is bias. Um, my bias is that I, I, I had been sort of like long hoping for a show that would tackle all the problems of, um, the contemporary news landscape and Sorkin is just the guy, uh, to do all that. He is sort of the Frank Capra, uh, of Hollywood these days, you know, which, which is funny because he's got the whole Don Quixote subplot of the first season. He's, he's on a mission to civilize and rather than feeling heavy-handed or preachy, which you know it, it can be or easily devolved to, I thought the show was was awesome. You know, I really love the newsroom. How about you? Yeah, well, you've been talking about it for a long time, so finally I started watching it. Um, and I about two episodes into the second season, two or three episodes into the second season, I love it. I think it's great. I I, uh, I sometimes think that instead of having a media studies class or like, or like a journalism class, you can just have people watch the newsroom and be done with it, <laughs> you know, cause there are certain, you know, parts of certain episodes where you're like, wow, this is, this is a whole class, you know, in media bias or in manipulation or, you know, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think the characters are good. I, you know, the, I think I told you privately that the, uh, some of the love, triangle stuff you know some of the romantic interest stuff i i, I find a little silly but I, I don't mind it at all you know and some of the slapsticky stuff in the first season where everyone's falling down all the time it's, you know yeah but um but that's very very minor uh very minor compared to the the bigger themes of the thing and i really buy into the characters so yeah that's good yeah i like newsroom a lot um, yeah, I'd have to agree with you on those those comments too. Those are those like little Sorkinisms. Um, yeah, they just, you just no way to like separate that out from the the juice. You know, it's just like <laughs> yeah, it's like right into it. It's like God because they do drive you nuts. Like the the sort of like um, forced uh, triangles and um, the like you said the slapstick moments that are just sort of like weird uh out of place but they're just like that's it's like those his personality ticks they're like in everything you know yeah. um i i started rewatching the west wing um cuz let's face it that's like 16 years ago 17 years ago when wow. it came on so rewatching the first and second seasons is just like watching it almost for the first time you know that's like a high school senior you know that's how long it's been since <laughs> since it debuted and um 
God, talk about a showrunner. In that first season of The West Wing, one of the characters met, says, gather ye rosebuds, you know? And I don't uh, know if you've gotten to that yet or not. I but have, that, yeah. That, yeah, and I'm like, there you go. I mean, there's there's like a, a, a trinket of auteur theory as as producer and writer and director for and showrunner. Uh, there's that, that that recurring theme of gather ye rosebuds. And I'm like, well, you're nothing if not consistent, Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We should do a, uh, we should do a Sorkin episode. You know, I think we should talk because the screenplay for um, Steve Jobs Mm -hmm. was fabulous. Yeah, which I haven't seen yet. Um, I have read I've read some stuff about the screenplay, actually, how he wrote it. And it seemed really interesting, but I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, we've we've both seen Moneyball and Social Network. And like I haven't seen The West Wing. I have no intention to. But we could I mean, we could do a good episode on him, I think. Sure. I could I could like cherry pick a, a west wing episode well chris is i mean chris loves the west wing it's one of his favorite uh, series so he could he could really pull you know but i'll just sit back and let you guys talk about it for that segment of the episode but sure yeah we could totally do that in 2016 i think that's a great idea um yeah so what about movies or is there more tv that you want to talk uh, about? in terms of more tv there's um i can't really think of anything there are you know con- like continuing shows that we're all interested in watching but anything that debuted in 2015 i think pretty much of what you and i have seen we've pretty much i think covered it cool what was your favorite movie of 2015 ah favorite movie of 2015 um i'm gonna answer that in two ways uh i'm gonna say that probably the favorite film that i saw in the theater okay so my favorite movie let me start over here (laughs) my favorite film of 2015 is probably the final girls um i don't know that yeah it's uh um as Sam Raimi put it, it's sort of a, a love letter to 80 slasher films. And uh, it, I, I can predict here and now that it would be a film that you would love. Uh, you know, in, and, you know, listeners know that Eric's not you – know, horror genre is not his favorite. And he <laughs> watches it but, like, you know, never expecting a whole lot. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, I guess that's a good way to put it. But this one, yeah, you would love this. Uh, it, it's it's – um, it's absolutely fantastic. So I think, and that was probably—I mean—that's a bold statement with everything that came out this year. Uh, but so let me say that, and then I'll talk about that more a little bit later. But I was asked by um, a journalist in Madrid to put together a list of my favorite films for the for, of 2015. So it's probably just best to to read that, you know. Do it. Uh, so, and I had to put them in order. So. Um, the, the 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 order would be uh ex machina and then bridge of spies okay bridge of spies um then uh the martian uh mad max uh irrational man ant-man star wars um specter what we do in the in the in the shadows, and so on. I'm not going to keep going and going, right. but um, I will say that um, the one that uh, there are two that I, were not on that list because I hadn't seen them yet, which were The Revenant and Hateful Eight. And uh, The Revenant, I would place really high, really yeah, really same. high. And yeah. Hateful Eight, I also love too. The 70 millimeter, I thought was stupid, hokey, gimmicky, unnecessary, weird, um, but uh, I love the movie. Well, we'll. Um... Well, we'll, I imagine we'll probably do an episode on both the Revenant and the Hateful Eight because we both we've we've both seen both, and I think Chris, I know Chris has seen the Hateful Eight uh-huh. at the very least, and um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll do something in the next week or two, maybe I hope next couple of weeks um, on both of those. Um, now, the Revenant technically is a 2016 movie, <laughs> true, true, but. Um, but uh, oh my gosh, that was an intense. That's that's up there for me as well. Uh, we are definitely going to have a disagreement about the hateful eight when we do talk about it. Um, oh. which is, it's not, it's not up there that high for me. Uh, for me, ex machina also, uh, is mm-hmm. number one, um, diary of a teenage girl. I thought was really, really good. Um, I, I saw that at a special screening in Ann Arbor where the, the writer was there. So it's, it's based on a, on a memoir, graphic novel slash memoir, I guess. And, uh, the Phoebe Glockner, the, uh, 
the person who wrote the woman who wrote the actual memoir was there and she spoke for a little while did a little q a it was really cool but the movie was great it was kind of whimsical and fun but also dirty and weird <laughs> and um, it's really cool it was really cool um so i say ex machina Diary of teenage girl uh martian for me as well uh i really just enjoyed the martian you know i i, I wasn't some of the casting was I didn't I didn't really care for the casting. I feel like they were just throwing as many stars in there as possible and I I don't think it needed that many, you know. But um <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's great. What a great comment because I never thought about it until you said it, but like I mean that that is so true. A lot of those actors command fairly decent salaries, but they're in it so little. It doesn't matter. Jeff Daniels yeah. is barely in it, you know, like uh Sean Bean's barely in it. So yeah, Kate Mara, Jessica Chastain, Jeff Daniels. Like, what what are they doing in this movie? You know, so I found it distracting <laughs> to see face, those faces I knew. But that's uh, it was a fun movie from beginning to end. You know, um, did two days work. You know, yeah. Um, and those are the big ones for me, I guess. I, I enjoyed Bridge of Spies as well. I thought that was quite good. Um, Inside Out did that did that come out in 2015? I think it did. It sure uh, did, yeah. Yeah, I just saw that a couple of days ago, uh, like last week sometime, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was you know it does everything you expect <laughs> a movie like that to do, uh, but it was really good. It was well acted, you know, with the voice actors and everything. But it was it was pretty good. But yeah, I think my top three though would be Ex Machina, uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl, and and maybe The Martian. Okay, and if I had to do a top three, um, I guess it'd be. Uh Final, the Final Girls is number one, um, Ex Machina, and I'm going to go Bridge of Spies. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and you know, you and I saw that together. We maybe stop and talk about it for a second. You know, I mean, lately, lately I was in the theater. I, was, I, mean, I saw a lot of films. You know, I re- recently seen, you know, Hateful Eight and Steve Jobs and and um, Star Wars and The Martian and. And it's like out of and all out of all those movies, Bridge of Spies, I think it was just that potent combination of Spielberg, Hanks, period piece, um, relevant to today, you know, the the this this story from the late fifties, early sixties about, you know, paranoia and uh you know global citizen human rights, issues like that, um, and just Cold War strategy. Uh Something about that movie, and, and it was so beautifully shot too. Yeah, it was. That it just kind of, I think I fell for pretty hard. I think Bridge of Spies might be the sleeper of the year for you know, or, or it should be for a lot of people. Yeah, it was a it was a very strong film. There, there's something about Spielberg that I don't, I can't, I just, I've never been able to put my finger on it, but I always feel removed in his movies. Like I don't, I, it's very hard for me to to immerse myself in whatever's going on, and I don't know why. I can't figure it out. But uh, but that movie in particular, I did like, especially like the um, I don't know what his name is, but the guy who played the Russian spy. Um, oh, Vogel. Yeah, I can't think of the actor's name. Yeah. <laughs> he's from the theater primarily. Uh, okay, he's phenomenal, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was really good. You know, really kind of. You know, kind of, he was the he was the um, oh wow, that's weird. He was the comic relief, yeah. <laughs> strangely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so that was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. Fun I think show. the elephant in the room here is uh, which which um, I'm going to sort of enjoy, sort of like rubbing the salt in this is say, Eric, how'd you like um, Irrational Man? Did I see Irrational Man? Oh, really? You didn't see Woody Allen's latest movie? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I completely forgot about it. It was out. I tried to see it in the theater. I wanted to see it in the theater. It was gone within a week or two. And I completely forgot to see it. So I have seen every Woody Allen film except one now. And I just I keep forgetting. And every time I go to... I, I invited you to come when I went. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm just rubbing it in here because... Yeah. It's uh, it, it's it's you know, if if somebody else had made it, if some thirty-year-old young woman or male director had made this film, well, would we be hearing about what a great new talent, what a great new voice is on the scene? Not since the likes of a young Woody Allen have we seen such. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, but you know, because the pressure's so consistently on him to 
to outdo himself with, uh, with you know a film a year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's unfairly uh, criticized and evaluated and judged a lot. Um, I mean, the only other guy I can think of in the sort of like post studio era that did a film a year was his idol, you know, Bergman. Uh, and that's it, you know, and and so I, I obviously the law of average is going to dictate not everything's going to be a grand slam, but there's way more home runs than people are willing to admit. And a rational man was a home run as far as I was mm. concerned. So, yeah, I, I do hope we get a chance to talk about it before the next film comes out. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll watch it. <laughs> I just have to remember to get it. That's that's been my I <laughs> comes out this month. Know. I should probably write it down. Um, what what comes out this month? Irrational Man. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant his new, another movie. I was like, no, no, not yet. All right. Yeah, yeah. So rub it in, rub it in. I had to, just a little bit. I told you I've seen fewer movies this year than usual, <laughs> including the Woody Allen film. Yeah. So. No, that, and that's and that's completely fair. I only rubbed it in because, as listeners know, Eric is, you know, he's seen every Woody Allen film but this one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. isn't, that, isn't that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I'm a big Woody Allen fan. I, I, I you know, um, I, he's one of he's my favorite director, one of my favorite directors, and yeah, I just <laughs> fell asleep on the switch, I guess. So yeah, what else, uh, media wise, or, or just anyway? I mean, it's been a you crazy know, year for me. I, I, uh, um, Terminator Genesis was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, I had. I, did you see that? No, I had no uh, interest in seeing that. Well, you know, I was. I'm a big Terminator guy. I'm a big James Cameron guy, and uh, for me. It kind of ignores the – kind of cuts Terminator 3 and 4 out of the equation and just focuses on the first two films, which most consider to be the, the two best, and sort of picks right up in that that timeline and mm-hmm. uh, that universe. And, of course, Arnold's in it, you know, and that's the main thing. And, uh, you know, whatever his, his uh, personal problems may have been uh, in, in uh, the last few years, it's it's pretty much like Arnold – gets on the screen, says something, and it's, you know, it seems like he's got that movie star quality that makes you just forget that there's any personal issues or or, or public scandals. And <laughs> my friend Jamie was saying the same thing. She's like, you know, Ar- she agreed that Arnold, for sure, like, you know, sins are forgiven. And, and she's like, for me, it's Tom Cruise. She's like, when I, I don't, you know, Tom can be a complete D-bag and say stupid things or do stupid things or, or have negative publicity about him and jump up and down on couches. But the minute I see him in a film, she's like, all is forgiven. <laughs> and then I was like, absolutely. I mean, Mission Impossible, you know, uh, the last one. What the hell was it called? Rogue Nation or whatever. I mean, that, that was phenomenal. Did you see that? No, no. Oh, God. It was so much fun. You'd love it. I mean, that movie was so good. Um, you know, it just absolutely designed what it designed to do exactly what it did. So I think like films like Ant-Man, uh, Terminator Genesis, uh, Mission Impossible. I'm hope I'm getting that right. Rogue Nation. I forget what it was called. These are, you know, these were like the really, really quality entertaining films. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't looking for deep, powerful social uh, messages in any of these films. I was, I was watching them. Uh, hoping to be entertained on many and multiple levels, and I was. So I, I would I would include those, you know, uh, for sure. Okay, yeah, sounds good. And that's the that you know that action genre is not really something that I gravitate towards generally. So that's that's why a lot of the ones you're mentioning I just haven't seen. Uh, it's not something that I usually go to. You know, uh, not saying there's anything wrong with them. It's just not something I, I just. It's not something that generally generally draws my attention you know so i haven't seen any of those <laughs> that you mentioned so um but i'm sure they're good i'm sure they are fine maybe i will watch them oh yeah i mean I, I could bring any one of those over and 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 you would you know they're just really well done what they are you, you know, know I, you know what i did watch finally finally mm-hmm. uh, which is not even a 2015 film is a pacific rim I finally got around to watching that, and I loved it. I thought it was great. So. That was a bit of a polarizer, too. I yeah. know a lot of people who didn't care for it and um, uh, people who loved it. I loved it. You know, I loved Guillermo, and I loved that that film. I thought it was great. You know, I did not see Crimson Peak, however. No, me neither. Um, I, I was supposed to. 
uh, with a friend, but it just uh, it just never materialized. We couldn't. She and I couldn't sort of like align our schedules to go see it. And the window to see films is shorter now. Yes. Uh, well, most films. Not you know. I mean, now if you want to go see freaking <laughs> Star Wars or, yeah. <laughs> or Jurassic, oh, yeah, yeah. Jurassic World or something, you know. But if you want to see an actual film that you care about, like Irrational Man or something like that, <laughs> yeah, the window's so so short. You know, it's terrible. But anyway, that's just my, I, I, that's my gripe. <laughs> yeah. That's a good gripe. I should probably give a little lip service to, you know, uh, one of my favorite franchises and characters of all time. We have a whole episode dedicated to it, James Bond. Um, You know, I was a little underwhelmed with Spectre. Uh, I went in with pretty neutral uh, expectations. And um, I think a lot of the early buzz was people went in with ultra high expectations because Mm -hmm. Skyfall was pretty masterful. Mm -hmm. But um, Spectre, to me, sort of felt uh, like a a, a good quality Bond quest. You know, it was a good film. Um, But I think it's also fair to say then that a a proper adjective would be underwhelmed, too. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't... uh, blown away by it i wasn't disappointed by it i was it was pretty much you know what i was more or less expecting to see and i was hoping for more though but not expecting more if that makes any sense yeah makes sense makes sense makes sense to me cool i'm hoping 2016 is better <laughs> i mean 2015 had some good movies i just i hope it's, i hope i get to see more stuff to be honest with you and i just hope that you know there's good stuff to be to be seen um, you know, I, the summer blockbuster season is always such a bummer for me because there's nothing that's due. You know, you, you see the two movies that are out, and you're like, "Well, now what do I do?" <laughs> you know, so, now is the time to well, see movies. You know, I, I would say that we probably both agree that it was a good year for cinema um, in its last quarter, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like there seemed to be a lot of yeah. impressive things coming out, um, which they try and do. They, you know. Um, they sort of backload the year always for the for the holiday season with a lot of major releases. You know, they temper it with the summer blockbusters right. with the holiday right. stuff. And I was I was pleased. I got to tell you, you know, I, I said I'd come back to it, and uh, I, I, I will. Um, Final Girls for me, though, for those of you who are not familiar with it, the Final Girls is a uh, very very interesting uh, sort of meta. Uh, Shaviro was a big fan of the film. You know, he commented on Facebook. Steve Shaviro. Uh, what's that? Steve, Steve Shaviro. Uh, and he enjoyed it a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a meta commentary uh, about the nature of cinema, sort of like lensed through a horror, you know, horror film. Uh, and cool. so the basic setup of it is that um, this, this actress from, who worked, you know, in a few horror films in the 1980s that went on to become cult films – uh, if you flash forward 20 or 25 years and she's, you know, raising a – she's a single mom raising a, her daughter and she's trying to find acting gigs. But all they ever recognize her for is, you know, her, her like Friday the 13th film, you know, although it wasn't Friday the 13th. It was, you know, basically the equivalent of it. Um, and uh, that's kind of the, the the basic setup for it. And then we wind up sort of like going – we, the audience, sort of like go into – the narrative of a film, you know, kind of like Pleasantville type thing. Okay. That sounds cool. <laughs> it, it becomes, so obviously as you can see, it has a tremendous amount of fun playing with the tropes and conventions of the horror film, but even getting more several steps meta beyond that into the meta narratives of it. So one, one realm above another, above another to, you know, uh, into the diegesis of the whole thing. And it's, <laughs> and it's, but it does it without feeling like a, a lecture on, you know, plot development and diegesis structure, right? Okay. It's, it's, it's done with like affection and love. Okay. And it's so beautiful to look at too. I mean, the, the graphics and the visuals, that's what I think one of the things you're going to love about it. And oh, that, yeah. I'll I'll check it out for sure. I haven't even heard of it. I'll I'll definitely check it out. That sounds great. And of course, it comes from Carol Clover's you know famous designation of the final girl from the whole slasher phenomenon of the eighties, seventies, and eighties. So cool, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> sounds good. <Yeah. laughs> um, cool. What else, anything else uh, media wise that you besides movies and TV? Anything that your books or uh... I read a great book called Sex. 
sadism spain <laughs> <laughs> yeah i read cheap that one too plug <laughs> cheap plug no, I, that's just another cheap plug that uh, the book that i wrote came out in uh, june of this year uh sex sadism spain and cinema the spanish horror film on sale at bookstores near you and <laughs> amazon um no uh, once again uh, Nick is faced with the dilemma that he has not finished a book in seven or eight years, uh, which I know sounds criminal, like uh, how how can you live with yourself? <laughs> um, I don't know what happened or when exactly it happened, but I have, I have trouble reading books. I mean, I think grad school kind of just destroyed reading for me because, you know, as you know, we read so much and so often, sometimes – you know, four to six books a semester per class, you know, that not to mention all the articles in how many years of that, seven, eight years. It's just sort of like <clears throat> I um, it was hard. I've read I'm still reading nonfiction all the time, but I have not read. a. a Didn't book you read the, the new the sequel to The Shining? I didn't finish it. Oh, you didn't finish it. Didn't well, finish it. Was didn't it? finish the corrections, which uh, you know was the book before that that I had started. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, I haven't read anything. I've read a lot of nonfiction. I've got a you know ton of that coming in. Yeah, uh, but anything worthwhile there? Well, I don't know if it actually. You know, I think it's 2014, but I got it came out at the end of 2014. What I loved was it's called the Art of Robert McGinnis. McGinnis was a really famous um, uh, poster artist who did a lot of. Uh, Really, you know, iconographic things uh, from like Breakfast at Tiffany's to a lot of James Bond films and stuff like that. So uh, that book is phenomenal. In fact, I'll put a I'll put a link to it. Um, so that was one of the sort of nonfiction, but more like coffee table books that I really enjoyed from the last year. You? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what I read that was actually out in 2015. Um, I read Jonathan Franzen's Purity, which. Uh-huh. Um, very polarizing book. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. Although I heard, I've heard a lot, heard a lot of bad things about it before I read it. Um, but I think it was getting a lot of a bad rap because of its um, because of Franson's depiction of uh, a young feminist and uh, kind of the feminist movement, I guess, in a way. But mostly, just it's just one character, and I I kind of dismiss those. Um, those particular criticisms of the of the book, uh, because it's one very idiosyncratic character. I don't think he's um, necessarily uh, making a comment about feminism in general. I don't mm-hmm. think, but he's a really interesting character who is kind of like a kind of like a Julian Assange sort of character, um, mm-hmm. and very complex and and tortured in certain ways with this kind of secret past. It's it's all about secrets. Like everybody's got a secret in the book. Um, it's uh, it's good. It's not as farcical as the corrections. Uh, it's not as like heavy and serious as his previous book, which uh, the name escapes me right now. But um, that one was just it was super heavy in my opinion. I think it does a really good job. You know, it's funny. I, I googled Franson Purity, and the um, the fourth link is from Gawker, and the title is Jonathan Franson's Purity is an, irrele- an irrelevant piece of shit. <laughs> and the first line is it is obvious from its first page that purity is a worthless novel and its author jonathan franson a worthless writer like, i don't know what this gawker writer has like, uh, what kind of axe he or she has to grind but <laughs> i think i find that more in the literary world of critique than i do in the cinematic uh, uh for mm-hmm. some reason that um uh i think it's sort of like the Harold Bloom syndrome, you know, <laughs> where uh, they, since they're writing about the written word, they go to extra. If they're really unhappy with something, they go to extra, uh, <laughs> extra sort of like effort to make their words um, just as biting about how they feel about the book. You know, yeah. uh, you don't. I don't find that. I mean, I've read it so much film criticism as opposed to lit criticism. Although the two are are you know inextricably tied together. Um, that's been my observations over the years. I don't know about you if you ever noticed that. <laughs> no, it's interesting. It makes sense because there's stuff you can actually quote, and it takes you longer to read a book, so maybe you get all, you know, more pissed off about it or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if William Gibson's latest book came out this year or 
in 14. But it's uh, the peripheral. I think it might have been the 14, actually. But um, that was really good. I think uh, the peripheral was his best novel since um, since Pattern Recognition, which I think was his best novel since oh, Neuromancer. Really? Neuromancer. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the I like a lot of his books, but I think that the now I think the main you know the main kind of signposts of his career for me are Neuromancer, Pattern Recognition, and then. Um, uh, the peripheral, I think it's it's quite good, really worth worth reading. Um, and if you're into science fiction, and then a couple of things I've read, um, the uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman Overture, he did a uh-huh. six issue run of Sandman, which um, I don't know, I don't know when the last Sandman came out before this, but it's been a long time, a very very long time. <laughs> sure. And so he went back and did a um, a six issue run. With some uh, incredible artwork, the artwork's amazing. The writing is really, really good. Uh, the end of the run, I didn't really see coming. Um, in a way, it's it, so. If you're in the Sandman at all, you have to pick this up. I think it's available now in um, hardcover, so you okay. can get it all. You can get it all together now. I have the six separate issues just floating around here, but uh, that was good. And another comic book I read, which is kind of interesting. Um, I always forget the name. It was uh, it's We Stand on Guard. And it's uh, by um, uh, Brian Vaughn, Brian K. Vaughn, the guy who did uh, Saga. And it's a six-parter as well about it's a, it's future, it's a futuristic setting of the United States has invaded Canada. Um, oh. Yeah, they, they've kind of ginned up this reason to invade Canada. And a lot of it's just this kind of steel water. But it's about these uh, rebels in Canada who are fighting against the U.S. government in the in the far future. It's uh, it's pretty good. We stand on guard. It's it's pretty interesting. So a couple comic books I've read this year. Um, both came out in fifteen. Okay. Um, Sandman might have started in fourteen. It took him forever. Uh, it, it, there were months between issues of the Sandman, so I'd have to go back and reread. You know, like when the like episode or issue three came out, I had to go reread two because I had forgotten what happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, that was annoying. It was really annoying. It was really annoying. That's that's how I felt, obviously. With the, I mean, I never finished. I'm a huge Stephen King fan, and I never finished the Dark Tower because, you know, the drawing of the three, excuse me, the wastelands and night and uh, Wizard and Glass. You know, there was like ten freaking years. You know, so right. it was like. It had been. I had read those the first three books when they came out, and when Wizard and Glass came out, which is the weakest of them of all the books, it was like you know only the brave who made it through that book were rewarded with the end of the Dark Knight. You know, and <laughs> actually, I'm glad I brought up Dark the Dark Knight uh, saga because we can start talking about like maybe if, is there anything we're looking forward to in, in 2016. Yeah. I was about to ask you that. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Gosh, I don't know. I'm not. I don't no, know neither. all that much that's going on. I tried to do a little prep work for it, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I, I'm a little worried. Speaking of Steve Shaviro, and one of his favorite books is uh, was it called? Zero Zeroville? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good book. Eric's, yeah, and I, apparently James Franco is the uh, the the man responsible for bringing that to the screen. Yeah, and it's I'm a little. A, it's gonna be a tough I'm, one. What's that? It's going to be a tough one to adapt. It's a tough one, yeah. I mean, that's not an easy, from what I understand, not an easy book to adapt. Uh, and so, and I don't know if, if Frank goes up to it or not. It's probably going to be a, you know, it's either going to be like wildly successful or a major failure, I don't know, or yeah. become a cult film or something like that. But um, I don't know a whole lot about the uh, Gunslinger, other than that they are planning the first installment of um Stephen King's Dark Knight or not Dark Knight <laughs> Gunslinger Dark Tower series um and there's been some casting I just I can't recall maybe while you talk I'll I'll, I'll bring it up but um and I, I Scorsese's got a new one coming out and oh and Todd Solons has a new one coming out too which oh, really? is supposedly related to Welcome to the Dollhouse he's got the, the there's a it's almost a sequel to Welcome to the Dollhouse oh, you know that's cool. and that's 20 years ago, you know, yeah. and it's like, and I loved his freshman and sophomore efforts. I thought happiness and welcome to the dollhouse were exquisite films, you know, uh, bizarre, dreary, upsetting, you know, um, yeah. weird, <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. 
Um, Luke Cage, I'm looking forward to that just to kind of continue the Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Marvel, Netflix thing. Uh, that's the next one they're they're going to release. Um, what else? I don't really know. I don't know what's coming out or what's going on. I'm just hoping in general for some good stuff. I know there's uh, uh, a Charlie Kaufman film I want to see that's out now, so I guess it still counts as 2015, but uh, Anomalisa, I don't know if you know this, it's a stop motion uh, movie that Charlie Kaufman wrote and I guess co-directed. Um, no, I don't know about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. I think it just came out last week or something. Um, but I, I never know what's coming. Out. I don't. I don't pay enough attention for being a film guy. I don't pay enough attention. Like I pay just like a month in advance. <laughs> That's about it uh, for the, for the most part. But I'm just hoping for a productive 2016 for myself personally. You know, I've I've got this. Uh, memoir in the in the final stages um i mean I just congratulations got, yeah get it back from the editor i'm gonna you know i have more work to do on it but i'll get some other writing done and, and maybe uh you know i haven't done any academic writing in a long time as you know and i think uh i'm gonna dip my toe back in there and you know kind of build up the cv and re-enter the conversation nice. a little bit so those are some of the plans and kind of goals well, that's I good i mean and we would all be grateful if you did i'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on that uh that we'd like to get your thoughts on yeah i have things to say, <laughs> things to say. For, the, for the first time in a while i have things to say actually so that's good and any, that, uh, that makes two of us i i will say that i will also start to dip my toe in the water with uh book number two so that, that this year i'll also be uh, outlining and doing research for that uh, because I'm planning a trip to Europe in 2017 to to do the field research for that book. So, hello, that would be fun. Yeah, for sure. Any uh, any hopes and dreams for the podcast? Oh well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say for the podcast, there's no question. I'd like to uh, record more uh, regularly. And uh, like we always say, try and get a, a, a celebrity on in terms of a celebrity guest interview, um, uh, but uh, also just to have more interviews in general. But, uh, you know, an actor or director would be a screenwriter or producer. That would be, um, I think, a, a real boost yeah. to us. And, um, you know, and, and uh, I have some other, some other things, too, that I have in mind. But I think those would be the... the the main things. Yeah, I think we um I think we have room on this podcast to kind of kind of stretch out a little bit and and try different things. Um maybe smaller segments um where like I always thought it'd be kind of fun for if if one of us has something to say that person can just record and we just put it on as a special segment. Um cool. But I think uh, just guests in general, celebrity or not, I think having more guests would be fun. I I I like when we have guests. Um I don't want one every time, but like I think you know, I, I think we should have try for more maybe in 2016, and uh, yeah, yes. record more. I think record more regularly would be a good one. But overall, I'm really happy with. It. I mean, I'm I'm proud of what we've done so far. We've done 40 episodes or so, and uh, you know, this is a special episode. But um, you know, we've got a good library built up here, and you know, we're going to continue to go through through the foreseeable future. Absolutely, uh, I'll be moving to another state in the middle of the year. But uh, you know that just takes a couple days. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I see know. uninterrupted yeah. flow. There. It's not like we're in the same room now, you know. Yeah. And Chris has been uh, doing it from Massachusetts for the last, uh, you know, seven, like eight months or six months, however long it's been. How long it's been? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to what we do in uh, in sixteen. Um, I have a short-term goal for us, but I, I won't say it on here. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll save it for later. Um, well, actually, I can say it here. I guess I I, I I say this every year. I would like to do a mini episode, or at least a discussion of every single film that's nominated for the Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, that would be great. That's that's the problem is is they went from five to ten. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Five is doable. Nine or ten is harder. But I, I, I know every year I bring it up. Maybe not on the air, but um, yeah. So that's, I think that would be kind of fun. Well, to recap, I think my favorite film of the year would be The Final Girls, and yours would be Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Yeah. I think that's my number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Wonderful. 
Well, I had fun. I'm glad we did this. We uh, we kind of did this on the fly here on the uh, 4th of January because we wanted to get it done. But uh, I'm glad we did. I think we're both really thankful for our listeners, you know, for the listeners who have been with us for these couple years that we've been doing this and for the new listeners that we're uh, sure to gain as the as 2016 moves along. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash that's a wrap. That's a wrap with a W. That's a wrap. Uh, you can also go to that's wrap show.com. That's a wrap show.com. Uh, and you can find show notes for this and you can find a list of episodes and all kinds of other cool stuff. We're on Facebook and Twitter. You know how to find us. All right. And once again, I'm Eric Marshall. And I'm Nick Schlegel. Thanks again for listening. And Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Cut. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.